Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Pharrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out. A bad city broken into bad apple with a bad attitude. Hanging around a bunch of bad actors, bad taste, bad locks, bad dude, bad breath, bad attention, bad vibes. We are live in the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios in New York City. Home is so much more than a house. It's the home of your dreams. So for 30 years, they've been making it better. Rocket mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. People dress in plastic bags. Direct to travel. Heck, some kind of fashion. Shake it up. Should do better. All my friends that come around. Fight to fight to party up. Rats on the west side. Bed bugs uptown. What a mess. This ties are tattered. My brain is splattered all over Manhattan. Should do be shake it. Ooh. Are you with us tonight from New York? 855-212. For CBS, our toll-free line brought to you by Geico. Great news. You can save a bunch of money if you switch to Geico like Carver High did. He went to geico.com, simple as that, and in 15 minutes he saved 15% on his car insurance, and it made him very happy. Uh, Brad Gagneau will join us from Bleacher Report at 40 past this hour. NFL writer will talk about pain day yesterday. It was painful for me. And then uh, at 11 Eastern, Tim Brando, the governor, is joining us tonight on the bench. Doesn't get any better than that. Live the Monday Nighter in Santa Clara. The Niners holding on to a 10-7 lead. The Seahawks had a chance to score right before the half. The guy fumbled at the one-yard line. San Francisco stripped him of the ball and recovered, and that was that. 10-7. I think uh, the Niners are on the move right now. They're deep in Seattle's end. They might have uh, maybe a timeout or something going on here. No? Oh, no, they got the ball back, Seattle. What happened there? I thought they were deep. Did they miss a field goal or something? I don't know. There you go. 10-7, Seattle has the ball. Yesterday around the league, the Vikings went into Dallas and got a big win. The Steelers, uh, that was really surprising to me that they beat the Rams. Uh, I'm now residing to the fact that the Rams are average at best. They have fallen off the Super Bowl wagon, and they are—they can't score. Their offense doesn't move the ball. They didn't throw one pass uh, complete to Cooper Cup all day. And you know when that recipe is happening, it's disaster. And the Steelers' defense shut him down, shut them down, shut Goff down. And Mason Rudolph did nothing exciting, but their defense, again, with Minka Fitzpatrick and Bush and company and Watt pressuring uh, Goff all day and beating him up, they, they beat their ass, and they got the big pick late and won it, and they're now in the last playoff spot next to Buffalo. Yeah, you know what? I think that what we've, what we've learned about the Rams this year and especially yesterday is when they play a really good defense, 
Teams have figured it out from last year. They looked at all the tape last year of the offense scoring points, doing right. all that. They watched the Super Bowl of New England completely shutting them down. And all the good defenses around the league, like that Pittsburgh defense yesterday, forget when they score 30-plus points against the Bengals in London. Nobody cares about that right. for the Rams. When they play good teams like the Niners or like the Steelers yesterday who are good on D, they have done nothing this year, and they're going to miss the playoffs. Same with the Seattle. They're not making the playoffs this year. The Rams are not. The Niners are too good. Seattle's better than them, too. They're not going to make the playoffs this so year. So they're not going to get a wild card. Oh, I don't even think yeah, they're going to get a wild card. So NFC's too strong this year. They're not going to get in. So I have to tell you, uh, and, and the Chiefs lost to the Titans. That made me sick to my stomach. That was they, painful, too. They get 446 yards and three touchdowns from this guy. Can you stop somebody? Their defense is pathetic. Derrick Henry, Henry just ran for another 20 yards. Yeah, he's still Uh-oh. running. Jeez. They're, he just robbed a bank. Uh, they're not making the playoffs either, that team. You know why? Because the Raiders are going to catch him. The one huge touchdown run he had. They had eight guys in the box, and he still ran right through them. I have to tell you, the game that really upset me the most, and I know you don't agree with me on this, Carver High, but I got to tell you, I will never agree with anyone, you or anyone, that that wasn't a fumble. That was a fumble. That was a handoff is what that was. That was not a pass. That was a handoff. That was a little shovel that's a handoff that's a running play that's not a pass that's a running play they fumbled the bills recovered and scored a touchdown game over instead the minute it happened i texted you and i said watch they'll lose now guaranteed and you knew they would well they didn't deserve to win the game they just they did not uh you're a team you're six and two people think that you know you want people to give you respect you want people to start thinking that you're a team that matters in this league You've beaten nobody so far. You go and play a team that has been awful for weeks and weeks and weeks. The coaching decisions are awful. They had a situation in the first half where the Browns had like nine shots from the goal line, line. and they stopped them every single time. Kitchen's calling dumb timeouts, and they still had the ball two minutes left even after that call, which I know me and you disagree on it. The Bills call that play. A lot of teams run that pop pass now. Guys coming around on the on the sweep, and they kind of and it's you know technically going forward. So it's a it's no way. A pass. When you're coming through the backfield from the line of scrimmage back to the quarterback, you cannot tell me that's not going back a yard or two. Right, and I can't get on the defense here. I know that the day they let Cleveland come down the field and take the lead. They have been so good all year. They still gave up less than twenty points. You get the ball with two minutes left. Can you for once just? I know that they've gotten conservative. They don't Quit want the kid. For the they don't want the kid to make mistakes. They had the ball at the Cleveland 35-yard line with a minute left, and they let 35 seconds run off the clock. They huddled. What are you huddled. doing? Go for a touchdown and try to win the game. You're playing for a tie. That is a problem. They don't let the kid. I know that he can play hero ball. They've calmed it down in that spot. Let him go and try to win the game for but you. But they didn't even think they of that. They didn't even let him try to do that. It was awful and Did embarrassing. Did anyone say that to, to him after the game? Oh, yeah. And he says, well, you know, we got we to gotta look at the film and work on that. You know, that's his answer for everything. Listen, I like the guy. He's been good, He's been good for them the last three years. He's been better than the 12 jokers that were there before him since the late 90s. But he's still, he's a, you know, he's got to find the right recipe with the offense because the – I'm waiting around. You look around this league. You got guys throwing for 446 yards. You got Lamar Jackson running all over the place. You've got offenses that score 
points. The Bills have a defense that can is playoff caliber. They have a playoff right. caliber defense, and they have an offense that is stuck in the past. I still think their uh, defense is slipping a little against the run. Well, the run is awful. They, they, the run, they are awful it, against the run. So They're they, good against the pass. They're awful against enough. the run. You got to stop the run, too. Oh, they've been awful against if, the run, especially now, the last three now weeks. Now everyone knows you just pounded. Pounded on them. They're not making the playoffs, just so you know. They're not going to make the, the Bills. playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. Oh, God. LSU beat Alabama in a wild game in Tuscaloosa. I got that game wrong. I had a good day Saturday, but I got that game wrong. <clears throat> I thought uh, Alabama would win. Uh, they have the inside track now to the SEC title game and a playoff berth. They do. Uh, they absolutely do. And they're going to probably play Georgia in the SEC title game. And what if you're an Alabama hater, like – Myself and a lot of people, if you don't want to see Alabama in the playoff again for the sixth or seventh year in a row, you need Georgia to beat LSU in that SEC title game. Because if they don't, and LSU runs the table and they're number one, Clemson runs the table number two, Ohio State runs the table, you know, if those three teams run the table, that fourth spot is going to be very tricky. And you know those people in that room, they're going to put Alabama with that one loss against LSU. They'll put them in over all those other because teams. Because they lost them by five. Because They will do it. You need Georgia to beat LSU, and then you can't put Alabama in over LSU because LSU beat them. And if Georgia wins the SEC, they have to put them in. So you got to hope that that happens. Or else what about, we're be but I have there. a feeling Georgia could lose this week to Auburn. Well, if that happens, that's, that's going to be the problem. You need, you need LSU. Because everyone thinks that's automatic. That's no fun going there. You need LSU to win out and play Georgia undefeated in that SEC title game. Do you give game. Auburn a shot against Georgia? I do. Got to give him a shot. Two other uh, surprise unbeatens uh, come away with impressive wins on Saturday. Minnesota knocks off Penn State. I hit that spread. And Baylor survives TCU in overtime. I hit that game. Will either or both teams get any respect with the big jump in the college football playoff rankings that come out tomorrow night? We'll get into that and everything else. We got a ton of stuff to talk about tonight. 855-212-4CBS for all events. This CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Pharrell on the bench. All right, 855-212-4227. Right now in the um, AFC, Pats are one, Ravens two, Texans three, Chiefs four, Bills five, Steelers six. The next four are Raiders, Colts, Titans, and Jags. And then in the NFC, it's San Francisco 1, and they're up 10-7 right now with the ball at their own 40 in the third quarter, six and a half to go. Number 1 seed, Niners. Number 2, Packers at 8-2. and two. Three Saints at 7-2 and two with a dismal pick off off a tip, and he's going to go hizzy. No, they're going to stop him at the 15. They needed him to go hizzy because they haven't done anything on offense right. tonight. Saints are third at 7-2. and two. Looked terrible yesterday sleepwalking against the Falcons. I hit the Falcons spread at least. Uh, and the Cowboys are four at 5-4 and four and a loss to the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. I don't think they're making it either. You really believe in them, the Cowboys? I don't believe in them I at all. The, I think the Eagles are going to win that division. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think the Cowboys are phonies. And then uh, five is Seattle. I, I believe in them. I think they'll make it. I do too. And they're seven and two, but we'll see what they do tonight if they can finish this game. 
And number six is the Vikings, and I think they're going to get in. And that's why I think the squeeze is going to be on the Rams here because the Niners and the Seahawks, both in their division, I think will finish with better records than them. And you have the Packers and the Vikings, both with really strong records in the North, and I don't think the Rams can catch either of them, are going to have a better record than either of them either. Rams, e- squeeze them out. Rams Eagles, and Panthers are uh, five and four, all of them. They're seven, eight, and nine. And the 10th team would be the Bears at, at four and five. Did they fumble it again? They fumbled it, but luckily I think the lineman recovered, but they fumbled it backwards on the running play. What is wrong with their offense tonight? I don't get it. Why are they having such uh, problems? Are you telling me San Francisco's doing this to them? Like they can't even hold on to the football? That's not the Niners uh, doing. That's their own doing. Hold on to the ball, bro. Honestly. You know, another guy that can't hold on to the ball is that Daniel Jones guy. He fumbles every week. I mean, uh, Adams ripped the ball right out of his hands. It, touchdown him. yesterday. His numbers are phenomenal. He's got, like, what did he have, like 400-some uh, yards or something, four touchdowns, but but he fumbles the ball, and he throws picks. I, I don't know. I can't tell. I was out at, a, a like, a little party thing yesterday. So you didn't go to the game? I'm not. <laughs> no way. It was actually perfect weather for it. but Yeah, I'm not going to that game. Even if, uh, I, literally, I told you, you'd have to. Uh, well, I knew you didn't go to the game when you started texting me about the Bills game, so I knew you didn't go to the game. Yeah, I did not go to the game. I was watching all of the games at a bar with the uh, some people, and all I know is is that um, somebody asked me if I, if, they, if I thought he was good, and I said, you know, I don't, touchdown, what a catch. And that guy, uh, what is that, their fullback? It's that backup, uh, is that the fullback? Hollister? Anyway, I, I just said, uh, I don't think he's that good. And I think it was probably not the smartest thing in the world to say because he puts up huge numbers, right? Like his numbers aren't bad, but he's not winning, and he fumbles the ball, and he throws picks. So I don't know, what do you think of him? He's looking just like Eli right now. I mean, that's exactly what Eli's done for a lot of his career, just put up big numbers and then turn the ball over. And they actually said last night on the, the pregame for the Sunday night football game, when they showed the highlights of that one, they're like, you know, Daniel Jones silencing his critics but putting up these big numbers. I'm like, silencing what critics? He's lost every one except the first game. He keeps turning the ball over. Why is he silencing his critics? Yeah, they're losing every game. They couldn't even beat the Jets. Uh, honestly, I'm looking at this this way. He's showing you some things that can make you feel – like you might have the guy, but a bright future. But, and the thing that is not a pro- bad for a rookie. But here's the thing that's a problem for him: it's something that's correctable. You can teach him ball security. You can teach that. It's not like he's throwing the ball ten feet over guys' heads or he's doing things like that. He's doing something Gotta that hold is, on to the ball. He's doing something that's correctable, and that's why, even though it's a disaster right now and he's fumbling the ball all over the place. It's something that, even if it's not this year, it's in the offseason, whatever it is, that's something that you can work on and you can get better at. So I think that from that standpoint, But who works on okay. that? He's got to work on it. Well, he's got to work on it, but he's got to get some, you know, uh, you know, coach him up, whatever you want to call it. Somebody's got to come in and say, listen, we got to work on this. You got to hold the ball this way or you got to do things this way. Be more, you know, know what's going on around you in the pocket. If this, you see somebody's coming, hold on to it instead of holding it like a loaf of bread. He's just got to... It's a, it's a fixable problem, and I think that that's good for the Giants. I couldn't even believe it. I told you Friday when two bad teams – you've heard this from me a million times, but I said when two bad teams play, it's always a good game, and that was a good game. It was a great game. It was a really good game. Back I won't, and forth the whole I, way. I won't deny it was a really good game. Jets got out big, then all of a sudden the Giants came storming back and took the lead, and the Jets had to come from behind and put up a bunch of points at the end. 
It was pretty good. It was. Not for either defense, but I mean, both young quarterbacks looked good at times. Well, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, that may have been uh, the best game of the day. At the end of the day, those two, uh, that was probably the best game of the day. The uh, the Browns-Bills game was, game was awful. That was in, uh, infuriating watching that game. I knew they were going to reverse that call, too. I was like, watch this. They're going to reverse it, and the Browns will win the game. And then uh, Titans-Chiefs was pretty pretty wild. Well, another, you know, bad teams equals good game. Arizona-Tampa Bay was actually back and forth. That was good. And, then, again, the refs show up and screw something up. Dolphins-Colts was pretty good. I thought I, the fourth quarter of the Packer-Panther game was, it was good. great. Of course, they got stopped at the one-foot line. But also, what were they doing going for two before that? Like, I didn't get that at all. I still can't figure that out. You, did you hear him trying to sell us that's the analytic way to yeah, do it? Yeah, the analytic was over 50% that you get the two. Whatever. Right? You got stopped at the goal line at the end anyway, so. I, I guess the Steeler-Ram game was good, and the and the Viking-Cowboy game was good, so there were some good games. Steeler defense has really improved. I mean, th- I mean, look, I know that they've been good all what year. What were they, 0-3 now? They've... People thought the Steelers were dead when Roethlisberger was out for the year. Dead. And now they're sitting there. They are in the mix. To get in the they're definitely involved. Like they're like the Bills, low-scoring games, defense wins. Fourteen, twelve, and their type offense of is average at best. But I mean, he's got good receivers. I just don't. I don't think he's that good yet of a quarterback. He reminds me of a second-year guy that's struggling to find his way. That'll be fun when those two defenses play each other in early December. Bills at Steelers, uh, early December. Those. Two oh, teams. is that right? At yeah. Bills Steelers. At Hines, yeah. Bills will lose that game. A good like. Nine, I don't know about games. that. That's a good game. I knew that that stupid Cleveland minus two and a half was fishy. I knew it. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. They're going to lose to that crappy team. And I'm telling you, the minute that call got reversed, I said, oh, that, I'm out of here. I wrote, I paid my bill. I left. I knew it. I, I just couldn't even sit there and watch it. I left before it happened because I knew they'd win. And then I also called the Titans win because I said they're up five. And uh, it's not enough. They could they kicked the field goal, you remember? And and they you know they, instead of going for it or whatever, they kicked kicked the field goal and they went up five or whatever it was, Kansas City. And I I said they gave them the ball back with like two three minutes left. I said that's that. They'll they'll lose well, they that. They tried game. to kick the field goal and they botched it. The snap was low and he tried and he just threw it away and they got the intentional grounding and turned it over. If they kicked the field goal, they would have been safe, but they screwed it up so bad and then got blocked on the last one. Unbelievable. So, and then this game now is 14-10 as Seattle gets the beautiful uh, catch in the end zone for a touchdown on a dangerous throw by Russell Wilson. You're listening to Pharrell on the Bench. Everyone's catching on. Everybody's doing it. PharrellOnTheBench.com is taking over. Best cipher picks, top shelf results, killer price, unequaled snags, and football hoops, please. It's a slam dunk. PharrellOnTheBench.com. Hockey winners, boxing, MMA. We're a knockout. PharrellOnTheBench.com. Sign up today. College, again, 63% of my bets covered. 60% of my spreads covered. 11 weeks, all in the 60 percentile bracket every single week. That's crazy. Pros, five of the 10 weeks in the 70s. Yesterday was crap, but I'll get over it. It was a rough day with all those last-minute burns. Brad Gagneau is with Bleacher Report to talk about pain day. How you doing, Brad? 
Good, man. How are you? I'm hanging in. What do you think of this uh, Seahawk job tonight in Santa Clara? They were getting their ass beat. Now, all of a sudden, they're up 21-10. They were down 10-zip, weren't they? Yeah, we keep wondering when the San Francisco 49ers team might kind of meet a moment that it isn't prepared for. Right? They haven't really been here and done this. You only got really on that roster that's you know, had any playoff success, not that this is even to that extent yet, is Richard Sherman. And so they're just very unfamiliar with a big game and a big spotlight in prime time. And they're not responding too well, at least in the second half or ever since that strong start. So first time they've first some, uh, faced some adversity this season. And you do wonder if, first of all, if they can't hang on here or come back here, how that might impact the way they approach the second half of the year. And all of a sudden, maybe the NFC becomes wide open again. So they have all these games, Cardinals next, Packers after that, both at home. They have three in a row at home right now. Then they go to Baltimore, go to New Orleans. Uh, They have the Falcons and Rams at home and at Seattle to end the season on the 29th of December. Frankly, uh, Brad, that schedule's brutal. That's why this game is so critical. That's why you got to win at home, um, you know, when you're up against a Seahawks team that you're – probably are better than in terms of one to 53 on the roster um you got to go to seattle later in the year it's a heck of a lot harder there that's that's you know a potential flex game week 17 could decide the division um you got to position yourself right now to get as much separation from a team like seattle that's got that experience it's got a super bowl winning head coach a super bowl winning quarterback the potential mvp at the quarterback position and when you don't win games like this and then as you just mentioned you look at the schedule beyond this you know arizona not a walk in the park, but likely a win. Green Bay, at least you're at home, but then it's in Baltimore. The Ravens are a top three team in the NFL right now. It's in New Orleans, which, you know, they're likely to be underdogs for. Um, And then, you know, you mentioned the Rams and then the Seahawks to finish the year after a potential, uh, um, you know, victory at home against Atlanta. There aren't many gimmies, you know, arguably Arizona and Atlanta, but even those could be tough. Um, you're still running into Matt Ryan, you're still running into Kyler Murray, Uh, it's going to be real difficult for them. Because, again, they kind of feel like the 2017 Rams or the 2018 Bears, those teams that were emerging but weren't quite ready for the spotlight yet. And we saw, you know, L.A. go one and done in the playoffs two years ago under those circumstances, Chicago same deal last year. You wonder if this is the exact same scenario with this 49ers team and that they need to go through somewhat of a rite of passage with, you know, you know, kind of some growing pains before they're ready to take that big next step in 2020. Brad, I, I got to ask you. So I know you don't care. Maybe you do. But the, the betters, I thought the betters got shafted yesterday on that Lions uh, last minute uh, Stafford pullout. Uh, you know, what is the NFL investigating him for that they never released his uh, health status? Uh, or, you know, obviously there's a lot of people upset about it. I know the Lions don't care. Uh, they will when the NFL finds them, uh, if they find them. What did you think of that? The, the last minute they pulled him, but they knew they knew he wasn't going to play. Why did they wait so long? Well, Stafford had apparently told others around the team on Saturday that he wasn't going to play, and so this is just another sign that things aren't quite right in Detroit. You know, whether it be trading a starting defensive back when you're apparently a contender or the way they've seemed to irk Darius Slay, their best defensive back left on the roster. Uh, Matt Patricia, a guy who you know, sent his team out to practice in the snow when they had no outdoor games scheduled and play in a dome last year. They make some weird decisions, and this might have been the worst one yet. You're right, it matters in terms of betting. Um, you know, Obviously, that's a huge part of the NFL makeup, the dynamics and the fan dynamics within this league. And 
Um, there's, you know, it, it also raises questions as to interest, as to, you know, the potential shady factor, even if that wasn't the intention of Patricia here, when you don't have honesty in terms of the injury report and at least integrity in terms of the injury report and the, the, uh, the uh, you know, the speed at which you report well, when a player is ruled out, it's going to raise questions. And now that gambling is illegal and, you know, more than, you know, about a dozen plus states throughout the United States, uh, that's a problem. And it's just one more step toward the NFL eventually, you know, inevitably it feels like at this point, having to be before Congress to answer uh, uh, to essentially the U.S. government regarding uh, their approach to regulate and to ensure that everything is above board in terms of the gambling industry. This, was, this, this could be one more step toward that. And you're right, the Lions will likely pay the price as a result. They have to tell uh, fans and betters uh, when a guy's not playing and they wait till five minutes before the game. And then I was sitting there on social media telling people run away from that game because Jeff Driscoll, Christ, my wife could have played better than him. I don't care what anybody says. Honestly, it was atrocious watching him. Uh, and let me ask you this question. Uh, Brad Gagne with us from Bleacher. What do you think of uh, the Browns? Not not that they uh, that they won that game because the refs handed it to them after that fumble, which is what it was. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to listen to it. it. Was a pass that was a shovel fumble on a handoff, which would have been a run, and he came back two yards to get it from the line of scrimmage. So they I knew they'd win the game after that crappy reversal. And then uh, the question is, do you think they can handle the Steelers defense on Thursday night? The game's in Cleveland. No, I mean, this is this is the worst possible scenario for Cleveland in terms of trying to follow up a win that might might be a chance for them to turn a corner. I think the Steelers' defense is as good as San Francisco's or New England's. Those are the two defenses get, that get the most credit right now. But you look at the way the Steelers take the ball away. I mean, four takeaways against the Rams, four two weeks before that against Miami. They've had at least three takeaways in every single game dating back to September, and they had five against San Francisco in the penultimate game of that month as well. They have been the most opportunistic defense in the NFL after a bit of a slow start when they struggled there against New England and Seattle in those first two weeks of the season. This is an entirely different team. Of course, Mika Fitzpatrick might be a defensive player of the year candidate after they traded for him. Uh, obviously, they've gotten even more production out of Devin Bush at the linebacker position as a rookie as he continues to emerge. And, and um, you know, TJ Watt looks like also a guy who could be um, a future defensive player of the year playing his best football. So all three levels of the defense, just fantastic. They take the ball away and Cleveland is maybe the most mistake-prone offense in the NFL, um, at least right there with the Jets and Giants in that respect. So I don't trust Freddie Kitchen's offense or Baker Mayfield or any of the Cleveland Browns on short rest against that Steelers defense. I just think it's an awful matchup. And I got to tell you that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick's been unbelievable since they got him in that deal. The guy's just coming up huge. Yeah, and we were, a lot of us, where I was, I'll admit it, I was criticizing the Steelers. I thought, man, you just gave the Dolphins like a top five, maybe a top ten at worst pick for a guy who hasn't really panned out thus far and, you know, was a, you know, a middle first round pick essentially. And, man, do they look genius for the move that they, I mean, now that's beginning to look like it might be a bottom half of the first round pick, the way Pittsburgh's playing and the schedule gives them an opportunity in the week AFC to potentially win eight or nine games and even get into the playoffs. At which point you're looking at a bottom half first round pick for Miami for a guy who's playing like he, you know, like a, a again like a Pro Bowler, like an All Pro, and he's only in his second year. He's only 23 years old, so 
yeah, again, right away, you shouldn't judge trades. We probably shouldn't judge them, you know, seven, eight games in either. But we've got a heck of a lot more feel for it right now than we did two months ago or a month and a half ago when it went down. And it's beginning to look like a stroke of genius for the Steelers, who are somehow, some way, just hanging in, despite the fact that the offense isn't very good at all. I think he's been actually, in my opinion, the best uh, D-back in the NFL in the last, whatever, four or five weeks, without a doubt. I mean, he's been scoring touchdowns, picks-offs, you know, done everything, taking uh, pickoffs to the house, scoring touchdowns making big game-ending picks. I mean, the guys, he's stood out like no other. I have to ask you, Brad, I think the Kansas City uh, defense sucks. Yeah. A question or statement, either way, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, I want you to elaborate on what their problem is. Yeah, no, I know. It's a problem. It's a big problem in terms of their ability to stop the run, in terms of their ability to stop, to not give up big plays. Um, one other thing is you can mask those issues when you get takeaways. And the Steelers, that's kind of the Steelers' MO to an extent. Like, they're not perfect on that side of the ball. They still give up the odd big play. They can still be had, but they get so many takeaways that they compensate for those, you know, the, the, the odd deficiency. This team doesn't do that either. They've got only two takeaways in their last four games on that side of the ball. They've given up 23-plus points in three consecutive games, now 31 two weeks before that. The only real strong defensive game they've had practically all season was that Thursday night or against Denver. Um, It's just ugly. And you throw in the injuries, you throw in that Mahomes, as much as he was very good in his return, um, hasn't been himself because he's been less than 100%. It just doesn't feel like the Chiefs' year. They made a lot of changes on that side of the ball in the off season, but it, it sort of sort of felt like they were just running on a treadmill. Like they, you know, you lose one guy, you bring in another guy that sort of feels similar. Uh, you know, D Ford out the door, Justin Houston out the Ford, door. I think they missed both both of those guys, and, and you know, they really haven't had the production that they would have liked. They would have had a Frank Clark who they paid big money for, so it just hasn't panned out for them this season. And it's pretty obvious at this point that Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator, who essentially, uh, you know. Uh, um, became the scapegoat for their problems last year wasn't the entirety of the problem. What was the uh, feeling that you had on the uh, hit on Rodgers in the end zone? Because I thought that that was an absolute BS call. It was pathetic. And, of course, uh, you know, then everybody turned it into a national story that he caught the flag in the air, which is also ridiculous. Who cares? All I know is uh, that was a crappy call. I don't care what you say, and they got lucky. I mean, as usual, they're getting all the house calls. Yeah, and this well, it's just another example of this league being overly over officiated, and it's going to get to a point that you know, as much as we talk about the gambling and people are obsessed with this league and they're not leaving it behind, regardless of, of what direction it heads in, I think people are getting really tired of the penalties in this league, and especially the penalties pertaining to hits on the quarterback. And yeah, again, we're not at that breaking point yet, but this has been the most penalized season in NFL history in terms of yardage. And we're going to reach a point eventually where these hits just become so ridiculous in terms of the, the flags that they're drawing that folks are going to start to turn away because they're going to say, like, I, you know, I just don't trust that a game's going to be officiated to, enough, to an effective enough of an extent for me to trust the outcome or for me to feel like it's worth my money as a better or worth my money as a season ticket holder or someone tuning in at the NFL Red Zone on a Sunday. So uh, I think it's a big problem for the league. I think they need to find a way to rein in the officiating, but it's very difficult because they've gone in one direction entirely in terms of player protection and in particular quarterback protection.
I got one minute respectfully. What do you think of uh, Jameis Winston? Do you think Arians and the Buccaneers are going to give him a new contract? I think they are. I think it would be a tremendous mistake, but I do think they're going to do it. I, I think that they, uh, they've they developed something there where Arians believes he can, whether it's hubris or not, get something out of the guy. He still turns the ball over far too much, of course. 14 interceptions this season. He's far too inconsistent. And the quarterback carousel could be spinning next offseason. Like, there could be a lot of guys available that are better than Jameis Winston. But the way Arians is talking about him, he says there's a really good chance he could land a new contract. That was his quote from today. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he lands a deal there beyond just a franchise tag, you know, prove it deal with Tampa Bay. Great stuff tonight, Brad. Uh, the Niners just uh, got a strip fumble off of Wilson. The lineman recovered, then he fumbled. The Niners picked it up, scored, then had a two-point conversion. We got a game now, 21-18 Seattle in the fourth. Thanks for coming on the bench tonight, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Talk to you soon. All right, Brad Gagno, a Bleacher Report with us. Eight five five two one two four CBS. What is this lineman thinking, Carver High, after he recovers the fumble? What was he going to do? Take off running all three hundred and sixty pounds of it? I have no idea what he was doing. He should have just went to the ground. He starts trying to run with the ball. What are you doing, bro? Big mistake. What are you doing, you moron? And then he fumbles, and they score a touchdown. They they just gave the game away. I mean, I think they're going to lose this game now. Uh, see, you know they. Seattle hasn't really moved the ball all night. They got lucky. They got a pick. They got down to the 10. They got to the 1. They scored. But the bottom line is, all night they've struggled to move it. Now the Niners have all the momentum. 12 minutes left. All they need to do is get the ball and score. And the hard part is is that they let the Niner defense get a touchdown, whereas I don't think that this 49er offense was built to come back from down two scores, and now you've given them a field goal game here. It's anybody's game again. It really is. It's unbelievable. They just gift-wrapped that game to San Francisco. We'll see what they do now. Uh, that was a terrible, terrible uh, error. And this lineman picked it up, tried to start running. He fumbled. How pathetic was that guy? What are you doing, you idiot? Seriously, you got to be an idiot. I don't even know who the guy is. But Ofedi? Ofedi wasn't ready. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, Celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.